Hello and welcome to another edition of the Daily Iowans Prepping for Pregame Podcast. My name is Pete Rudin alongside the very faithful Anna Kaiser, Robert Reed, Peter Mills. And boy, do we have another fantastic episode planned for today. Iowa is 7-3 and three after picking up a top 10 win in Kinnick. Who saw that coming? I picked Iowa, so apparently I did see it coming. Everyone but Pete, actually. Yes. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I was completely wrong. What does that mean? It means I was only partly wrong. Can you explain that? (laughs) Well, you see, Mills, I didn't necessarily pick Iowa in On the Line or in my podcast predictions. But deep in the back of my brain, I always knew knew Iowa had a chance to come out on top. Blackout game in Kinnick against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Also, side note, blackout game. I approve of the black pants. I thought it was a good alternate look alongside the American flag tiger cloth. It fueled it. it fueled the upset. I think I also think if we had known about that earlier in the week, Pete would have jumped to his senses and picked Iowa. But since the news of the black pants broke days after this podcast was released, we can't really blame him for just, you know, being dumb about it. You really hate to see it, honestly. And you know what was crazy? In the first quarter of that game, Iowa displayed a very competent offense. And Anna, we were there covering the game. We watched the madness unfold from the Paul W. Breckler press box in Kinnick Stadium. Yes, we did. What were your impressions from that game? I really appreciate how... Now, I need to be careful in how I phrase this. So, during the game, I wanted to tweet out this. I wanted to say that seeing Tyler Goodson start the game and actually play in the first half was like a breath of fresh air and how stupid it was that some people didn't realize how important breathing was until apparently this weekend. So let's just jump with that. I think Goodson had a fantastic game. Obviously everybody, well, most people that watch the game have at least been itching to see him um, get carried sooner. And obviously that had a bit, big impact on the offense. Didn't really like how they slowed down after halftime and the defense kind of slowed down and everything just kind of stalled, allowing Minnesota to creep back up. I would have liked to see a demolishing of the Golden Gophers and that's what the first half was looking like. But you know what? You got to pick your battles and they came out on top. 20 points, four points, it really doesn't matter. A w is a W. And you mentioned how the offense in the first half was pretty dominant. It was dominant from the first drive. I mean, Tyler Goodson gave the offense such a great spark. And even though Nate Stanley missed Mayor Smith-Marset on potential touchdowns twice, one was underthrown that the very first play of the game, then one was overthrown on what would have been a sure touchdown. But Tyler Goodson still came out with that 26-yard run to set the Iowa offense up, and it didn't flinch despite those shortcomings on those passes. And that was something that we hadn't seen in the previous weeks because once something went wrong, it kind of all went downhill from there. But Goodson gave gave Iowa that spark that it needed to keep moving forward. Yeah, and kind of going off those passes a bit, it was really refreshing to see the offense as a whole just go for it right out of the gate. Um, I feel like in weeks past they've kind of slowed down a little bit. I've talked about how we haven't really seen those standout like passing plays where a receiver goes all out to make a catch and then most of the big touchdown runs and stuff they're just been run after catches. 
But those two passes to Amir Smith-Marset really showed that, okay, the offense is here to play. It's going to be a different game than it has been in weeks past. And, yeah, it was impressive. Might have been the most aggressive that Iowa's offense has looked all season. Yeah, for sure. It definitely, like, I feel like no contest. Besides, you know, against Middle Tennessee, which, realistically speaking, it was Middle Tennessee. And seeing that against a Big Ten team was really, really refreshing. Yeah, and I like the change of pace as far as Brian Ferentz calling plays. I'm Obviously, Brian Ferentz has been under fire for all of this year and a lot of his tenure as Iowa's offensive coordinator and his failure to run the ball and get the offense going at times. But he changed things up a little bit. Uh, Tyler Goodson early, you see the line shifting one way and they run Goodson on a counter, which with the skill set Goodson brings, he's able to make moves in space and make explosive plays down the field. So it's a nice change of pace. It's kind of wild that Brandon Smith came out for a play. Yeah. And it was good to see him, even though he just ran a little flat route or a slant, I think. It was still good to see him, and I think it sounds like he'll be back soon. So that's good news. And the offense did slow down in the second half quite a bit. I don't think they got over 100 yards in the second half. Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of what we're used to with Iowa football. They get to a lead, and then they kind of rely on the defense. And the sequence to end the game with the two sacks and the interception was just a work of art. That A.J. Epinesa sack was just, I, it was, in a word, it was beastly. It was a monstrosity of a sack. It was. Epinesa and then Christian Welch coming back had a great game too with another sack on top of that. I really think that missing Michael Ojemudia hurt the Hawkeyes this weekend. It really showed and... Minnesota, Tanner Morgan, for however long he was in the game after he got quote-unquote hurt, I really think that they felt that loss, and Minnesota's passing game was on point. And as was expected, Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman had really good games. Johnson went off for nine catches for 170 yards and a touchdown, while Bateman had another 98 yards on top of that, but... But you can kind of see that lack of discipline on Johnson's one touchdown on that play-action pass. They bit so hard. Ojemudia wasn't in that secondary at that point, and it came back to bite him. Yeah, those guys, those Minnesota receivers can catch anything. A lot of things. Many things. Like, they can catch a cold, um, also a football. And the other crazy thing about Saturday was Tyler Linderbaum. My goodness, there's a video of him on Twitter snapping the ball for a QB sneak and just driving the uh, Minnesota defensive lineman like six I yards at least. I think he pancaked him actually. He like, that, yeah. As a freshman, goodness. And it's his first year playing yeah, center first year. too. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. He's going to be good. Yeah. So He's good already good. Yeah. He's going to get better. He's going to be there even you better. Go. Only one way to go, but. Okay, very important question about this game, though. Robert, I know your take. Did <laughs> the victory over the number seven Golden Gophers warrant a field storming? Side note, if anybody has videos or pictures of Robert Reed shaking his head with his arms crossed, staring down at the field of disappointment, we will gladly take those submissions. Thank you. Uh, from that comment, I think my opinion is obvious. Uh, I did not believe that the victory over Minnesota was deserving of a field storming. I mean, if you you won a big game, storm the field, 
Iowa was a favorite in this game, a three-point favorite, I believe. Minnesota hasn't won at Kinnick Stadium maybe since as long as I've been alive. It's it's 20 years, and I don't know. I feel like Minnesota, even though this is their best team in decades maybe, at least record-wise, Minnesota's a team you expect to beat if you're Iowa, and I just feel like with those points, being a favorite, Minnesota's failure to beat Iowa for so Kirk Ferentz is 14-6 and six against Minnesota. Beating an opponent like that doesn't warrant a field storming that in Ohio State or Michigan may. When I was a young lad, oh boy, here we go. just a week ago, <laughs> I said the same thing. I was thinking the same thing last Friday night. I was Saturday morning, I was thinking the same thing. But as it happened, I realized that this is exactly why no one wants to play in Kinnick Stadium at night games as a top 10 team. It's because... The fans are wild, and they know that they agree with Robert, actually. They agree that they probably shouldn't have stolen the field, but they did it anyway because they are insane. They are intoxicated. Intoxicated. <laughs> they are crazy. They are loud. And that's, honestly, that's worth 10 points in a game is stuff like that. So storm the field. If Rutgers is ranked number six in the country next year and Iowa beats them in a night game at Kinnick, storm the field. Do it, please. There, that's my take. Okay, so uh, after hearing that, I'm split down the middle because I get where Mills is coming from. I get that it just provides an extra punch when you, you know, you beat Michigan, you beat Ohio State, you beat P.J. Fleck. And let me just say, that man was off his rocker during the game. Maybe not in a good way. I would say another word, but, you know, publicity and whatnot. So I get it. It packs that extra punch when, like, you can just, like, feel the defeat in the air from Minnesota when people just, you know, storm the field. Yes, Robert. Oh, you can finish. I just had a point off of that. I would like a to counter. hear your point. Well, wouldn't it be just such an extra punch when you beat a Minnesota team who's ranked in the top ten and they're undefeated and you don't even storm the field because you have that little respect for Minnesota? I feel like that packs an even bigger punch. I, I do, I but also, it. like... <laughs> I just, I really feel... This whole feel, podcast is about overthinking. I really feel like Minnesota players having to <laughs> fight their way through a swarm of black and P.J. Fleck having to break his way through Iowa fans. I also hate that. I. It's more with basketball because it's a smaller area, but I don't think opposing teams should have to get through drunk fans on their way to the locker See, room. I do, because I think Minnesota, Jim Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, all of those people, PJ Fleck, group him in there with those bozos. Except he's not a citizen, so. Yeah, yeah. Your point remains, but like, you know, I think that they should have to run through all those fans. They should have to face their defeat head on, and that's exactly what he's doing. Now, now, <laughs> Iowa was favorited, however stupid that was in the beginning. <laughs> you said Iowa was favorited. <laughs> Favored, okay? You know what? English. But listen. Well, to be fair, Iowa was favorited. Like they were favored. They were, they were favored. favored. <laughs> they weren't favorited. They were. <laughs> I favorited Iowa. Okay, but listen. No. Look, listen. Okay, I agree with Robert, as in it shouldn't have happened because you're right. The word elite does not describe Minnesota in any terms whatsoever. What a whoever said that. <laughs> we get Great it. Point by them. But also, like I understand both sides of it. I understand. College oh. kids are gonna storm a field whenever they get the chance to storm. There were Minnesota that fans goes. there. I saw at least 40 Minnesota fans in the field with those people. That so. goes with my 
opinion. Do I think Iowa should have stormed the field when they were favored by three against Minnesota? No, but it's fun. So I'm not going to be the fun police and hate everyone who storms the field. Have some fun. Who cares? And a quick flashback to when Iowa won the regular season Big Ten title in 2002 at Minnesota, and literally the fans ripped the field goal posts out of the ground, tore it apart, and took it home. So we're crazy. Minnesota's bad. Get over it. Well, Minnesota's not necessarily bad. They're just not. They're Minnesota. Like, what else are you supposed to say about it? But you know who's not Minnesota? Illinois. And that's where Iowa plays <laughs> this week. What a transition. A, that's a completely different state. It's not as cold sometimes, but sometimes it is. Probably. It's the Windy City. It is. You know what? You're right. The state of Illinois. The wind is makes the it colder. City. Pretty much. If you know anyone from Illinois that doesn't live in Chicago, <laughs> send me a text. DM me. Even if they don't live in Chicago, they're gonna say they live in Chicago. Even if they live. If they live like three hours away, they're gonna the say they <laughs> Mills, I heard you have some Illinois facts per usual. Yeah, I get right into the. So Illinois has a pretty interesting past in a lot of ways. Why is that, Mills? Um, some, I wouldn't say distinguished, but some alumni that exist. Yeah, so the, the game's not going to be played at Memorial Stadium. It will be a Kinnick, but Memorial Stadium has some pretty cool things about it. You want to know what they are, Pete? I would love to, Mills. Well, it's an urban legend that is being um, confirmed by Reddit and Wikipedia. That says that confirmed by Reddit. There is actually that there is actually a bulldozer buried underneath the field, and I am imagining another bulldozer digging the hole, and then the other bulldozer getting into the hole, and then the second bulldozer repacking the turf on top of the other bulldozer. So it's kind of like the same thing as who is the mailman's mailman, sort of. Who 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 dug the hole for the bulldozer? Yeah. The other bulldozer. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. Ever. What do you mean you don't think that's a thing? Well, I just think, like, the mailman, it's like, well, this one guy delivers mail. Okay, so then another guy delivers mail. Okay, so then another guy has to li- deliver his mail. So right. then another guy has to deliver his mail. But the bulldozer is just, like, one bulldozer pushing the other bulldozer in. Okay. And then burying up the bulldozer. You alone. have a point. I misspoke. She's correct. <laughs> Shout out to the second bulldozer that dug the hole for the first bulldozer. Also... <laughs> Um, some distinguished alumni from University of Illinois. We got, he actually studied art at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. His, his name is Hugh Hefner. So I don't know what they taught him there, but clearly it inspired him. Also, also some pretty cool alumni. We got um, James Holtzauer, who answered Jeopardy a lot. Jeopardy James? Yeah, Jeopardy James answered a lot. Also, he's coming back, and he's facing Ken Jennings in a couple weeks. Tournament so. of Champions. Yeah, so shout out James Holtzauer. And, yeah, he went to Illinois, so clearly they they have one of the largest libraries in the world. 24 million books. So James Holtzauer must have read all of them because he's a smart guy. Knows a lot of random things that no one else knows. Also, Nick Offerman, who is on oh, Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson went to the University of Illinois. Wow. So that's pretty cool, too. Love Nick Offerman. Yeah. Yeah, they had one of the biggest libraries. Bunch of nerds. They also have... Oh, Tom Hanks' long-lost brother is... They, they grew up apart. I don't think they had a lot of contact with each other. But some say that James James Hanks is better looking than Tom Hanks, and he's a teacher at the University of Illinois. So there you go. That has to be your final one. Yeah, that's it. Okay. We're done now. Is, that's a, that's a real okay. thing? 
Yeah, his his brother is a teacher, and they grew up separately. Why, why are you fact-checking me, Robert? I'm just intrigued. <laughs> I didn't know Tom Hanks had a long-lost brother. Yeah. I don't know if his name is James. I might have just made that up. <laughs> but it's true. Oh, wow. Jim. <laughs> he's Jim. an actor. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Okay, well. And he looks just like Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, Hanks is. Yeah, he Tom is. Hanks so is, is also Jim an actor. Tom Hanks is an actor, confirmed. He does voice work for Tom Hanks. What does that mean? I don't know if he makes it just voice work for Tom wait, Hanks. Wait. Wait. She but is he, wait. A, is he a professor? Actually, I'm going to issue an apology, a formal apology to the listeners. I actually got his name wrong. It's Lawrence Hanks, not James Hanks. I completely disavow my statement from earlier. I apologize, but thank you for thank you for hearing me out. Jim Hanks is a person though, and he is Tom Hanks's brother. He does voice work for him. Yeah, and don't he's know what an that actor. means. But he's just not a I, professor at he, the University of Illinois. He uses his larynx quite a bit and his vocal <laughs> folds go all wavy. I do voice work for Robert Reed, actually. Can confirm. They sound exactly alike. Okay, speaking of Illinois friends. Do we have to? What are your thoughts on Illinois Do we have year? to? Yes, they're a much different Illinois team, Kaiser. They are definitely not the team that I will be 63 to nothing last year, which 63 to nothing is an extreme score for Iowa. It's equivalent to winning like 200 to nothing. Uh, but on the road. On the road even. But only like 14,000 so, people were there. Yeah. So that's about that I believe last year when these two played each other. I tweeted something like, bold move by Lovey Smith to start his JV team against Iowa. But that doesn't apply this year because they lead. First of all, they're on a win streak, which is weird for Illinois football because it's Illinois football. And their defense is tops in many categories, including defensive touchdowns, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. They get after it on defense, and that's what's been able to keep them in close games and even beat a team like Wisconsin this year. And I think having Brandon Peters at quarterback now, the Michigan transfer, has done wonders for them. I mean, he hasn't been a big mistake guy this year, and that's really been the difference. Because last year, the Illini threw three picks against Iowa alone, and Brandon Peters this year has thrown only five picks. So I think just improving that position was a big key for Illinois. And... They have Reggie Corbin and Dre Brown in the backfield, who's a solid duo. So I think that Brandon Peters transfer, starting him now, put them over the top, or at least made them a lot better than they were last year. Yeah, he's very mobile, um, very elusive. He has several rushing touchdowns as well this year. Um, Josh Matterbebe can really catch everything. Um, he leads the Big Ten in touchdown receptions this year, which is crazy. And also, you really can't say enough about Illinois' ability to create defensive touchdowns because they lead the nation in defensive scoring. We got D- Dalia Harding uh, is forcing a lot of fumbles. They, they have a couple really great linebackers. Um, Jake Hansen's been right up there. Jake Hansen, yep. Nate Stanley isn't really prone to making a ton of mistakes, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how he responds to guys that are you know, able to drop back into pass protection or simultaneously be a threat in the pass rush. So it'll be an interesting game. I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll see. I think it's going to be a big week for Tyler Goodson, too, because Illinois leads the nation in fumbles. And Tyler Goodson had that one mistake against Penn State, which wasn't entirely his fault, just 
a mishandled handoff. But for his second career start going against a defense that is that good at forcing turnovers, I think that's going to be big for him. So what are your guys' predictions for this game? You know, I'll start. Okay. As much as this game, like, <laughs> kind of scares me, just because, like, I feel like Illinois is a wild card where you don't know if they're going to pull out all the stops that they did with, against Wisconsin. You don't know if this four-game winning streak is a fluke. You don't know about all that stuff. Um, you also don't know which Iowa team is going to show up today. I made the joke in the press box, which Pete didn't understand, um, that I asked if Minnesota's uh, Minnesota and Iowa had switched jerseys before the first half. Yeah, but why would they switch jerseys? That doesn't make sense. Because <laughs> Iowa played so well, and then they came out of half. <laughs> out of halftime and just were trash again. I understood the joke. It just didn't make sense. <laughs> so, like I was saying before Mills died. Um, very funny, Pete. Very cool. I really <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mills. I just don't know which Iowa team is going to show up, if Illinois is going to be good. This team scares me. However, I'm a rational human being, so therefore I'm going Iowa. Now I'm going to throw it to one of the three guys <laughs> in this room that are crying right now. Very Iowa. cool, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Anna. I'm going to take Iowa in this one. That's all I got. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about this game. I'm I, also going to take Iowa. It's a senior day. Those emotions are going to be turned up. Whether Illinois is on a four-game winning streak or not, I think Iowa just matches up much better at against them. Iowa's defense is a lot better than Illinois' offense, I think, and I don't think the Illini will be able to force as many turnovers as they've been able to because the Iowa offense isn't very prone at giving the ball away. So I'm taking Iowa. I am also taking Iowa in this matchup. Uh, Illinois has been playing great football, well, for Illinois standards against under Lovey Smith this year, but like the people who have already spoke have said, I just think Iowa... I was not going to make the number of mistakes uh, some of Illinois' past opponents have, and not getting those turnovers will hurt Illinois, so I'm picking Iowa in this one. Thank you for your analysis, Robert. And Robert, I mentioned Senior Day, which means it is quarterback Nate Stanley's last game at Kinnick Stadium. And I understand you have been quite the Nate Stanley facial hair for respondent for us, so I would love if you would continue that. Yeah, at availability today, the uh, goatee's been, the goatee's there more than ever. It, it's there in full force, but full force even more than the other times I've used that term. It's a full goatee now. Full He's time. rocking it after the uh, Minnesota win, and let's see, maybe, maybe it'll stay there. And also, I found out today, there's a Nate Stanley's goatee Twitter account, which I had no part in, but wish I had thought of. It's from August. But did you follow I, it? I did not, but not? I, I'm I'm going to. I just haven't yet. I'm not convinced that's not you. It. It's not me. I promise. Okay, whatever. Thanks. That's also what someone who did run it but didn't want people to know would say. But it's not me. So sometimes the goatee has looked like it is like the guy like woke up and started putting like shaving cream on his face, but ran out when he got around his like face like mouth region. So he's just like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to go, you know, about my day. I'm going to walk around like this. But it looks like a real goatee today. Very cool, Mills. Yeah, thank you. Were you there? I, I saw a picture of it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Were you there? I was there. I was, I was interviewing there. Dan Gable, six plus. I, I got um, one of the name, name, name drop. Yeah, name drop. I was there. Robert was there. I was there. We care. Well, That's cool. not that I don't care. I was preoccupied with, with Hall of Fame wrestling. You are correct. 
Anyways, that's all the time we have for this podcast. We'll love to close it out on some facial hair conversation. Always a great time. Always in the barbershop. Getting that trimmed up. We should call this room the barbershop. This is the barbershop quartet. Yeah. Four of us, yeah. Okay, anyways, thank you very much for listening. It's been a huge pleasure. Always is. Until next time, let's keep that football season going.